We are family. Look to the person to your right. Say, we are family. Look to the person to your left. Say, we are family. Turn around. Say to the person behind you, we are family. Everybody look up here and say with a loud, proud voice, we are family. Uh, You might not believe it, but it's true. It it may be hard for you to imagine that we're family. And, and, And the truth is, you might not like sometimes being part of this family. Uh, that's part of being a family. Uh, you might not like people in your family. Well, we're going to try to deal with some of that today. And you might not uh, understand everything about your family, but that changes nothing. You see, we're family not based upon what we have done, but based upon what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. What makes us family is not some decision that we make, but rather it's something that God, by his grace, showers on us when he showed us that our sin had separated us from himself and showed us that he sent Jesus to die for our sin upon a cross when he, by his spirit, drew us to believe on Jesus and to turn from our sin and to trust in Christ and his death as payment for our sin, in that moment, that great transaction of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, God by his spirit drew us across the bridge that Christ and his cross had built into his open arms, and he embraced us as his family. Not only that, but he had led you to be part of this family called First Norman. He drew you here so that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in this local expression called First Norfolk. And so we are family, not a creation that we have made nor a decision of our own volition, but rather a sovereign act of God's providence and his good love and grace We are family. But sometimes family has problems. A a fidget. I don't know if you like fidgets or don't like fidgets, but this is a great fidget. It's a weighted fidget, and it is a wonderful fidget. Suppose someone comes into the church, and they carry with them a fidget. Not only do they carry with them a fidget, but they say, hey, godly people play with a fidget at least one hour a day. And everyone who is godly needs to play with a fidget one hour a day. And there are some in the family of faith who say, yes, I think you're exactly right. We need to play with fidgets in order to be faithful in our walk with God. If we do not play with fidgets one hour a day, then we are not faithful in our walk with God. And so a group of people in the church become the fidget players. But then there's another group in the church, and they say, you silly heads. Do you not know that we are saved by grace through faith and that through the righteousness of Christ, we stand uh, secure and accepted by, the, by our loving God. We don't have to play with fidgets anymore. We don't have to play with fidgets one hour a day or one day a week or one week a month. We don't have to play with fidgets anymore. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. We, we don't have to play with fidgets. 
And so now you have a group in the church that are fidget players, and they believe you are ungodly if you don't play with fidgets. And we have another group that are not fidget players, and they think you are silly if you do play with fidgets. And it creates division in the church. There's a stumbling block to the community that God has created for us. You see, we are family, but fidgets can create all kinds of problems. Now, fidgets is not the same thing as talking about what does it mean to be saved. Fidgets, it's not the same thing as the great doctrinal issues of our life and that Scripture teaches. It, 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 it's not about um, uh, the, the commands that are clearly given to us in Scripture in terms of our morality or sexual ethic or uh, how we behave in the world. It, a fidget is not the same thing as do not lie, cheat, or steal. A fidget is something else. You might say, well, why in the world are you talking about fidgets? Just tell us what you're thinking about. Well, the minute I tell you what I'm thinking about, you'll stop listening. The minute I tell you what I'm thinking about, you're going to get mad. And some of you are going to bow up and you're going to say, some of you might even walk out. We had at least one walk out in the earlier service. I don't, so I'm not going to tell you until, the, uh, until uh, somewhere in the middle. Now, the reason is because we all need to be led into this. Um, not, and again, I'm not trying to give you my fidget that I want you to play with. I'm trying to teach you what the Word of God says about us as a family of faith and not allowing stumbling blocks to disrupt the harmony that God has given us nor uh, the mission that God calls us to fulfill. Now, we are family, but sometimes family has differences. And not sometimes, all the time. And so we need to look at fidgets for a second. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14 and just kind of give you a synopsis of Romans chapter 14, the, the fidgets that they were dealing with, the stumbling blocks. Here's the way it worked. There was a group of people in the church, and Paul called them the, those who are weak in the faith. Now, this group that was weak in the faith, they said you had to play with fidgets one hour a day, every day, if you're going to be faithful to God. Now, playing with fidgets for them was eating particular foods and refraining from other foods. Uh, fidgets for them included celebrating certain days as more important than other days. Fidgets for them, including don't drink wine with your meal in the evening time. Okay, those were their fidgets. There were probably others, but those are the three areas that Paul addresses in this section and that God speaks to us about. All right, so those were the fidgets. Then, and those were called, Paul called them weak in the faith. Now, what they said was, if you don't follow this diet and if you don't uh, celebrate certain days, then you are not godly or you are not faithful to God. Now you have another group, and these are those who are strong. And we'll look at them. The reason we know they're called strong is because in Romans 15, 1, they're called the strong ones, okay? Uh, so uh, here, uh, just know that these are the strong ones. The strong ones are the ones who say, 
I don't need a fidget to make me right with God, and I can be godly because, not because of the works that I do, but because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who saved me from my sin and brought me into this family. I know that salvation is all of grace through faith in Jesus, and fidgets are no big deal. You silly head. Those were the strong ones. The weak ones were condemning, judging the strong ones. The strong ones were poking fun, holding in contempt the weak ones. And there was conflict. So Paul begins to address that whole issue, and he gives us some avenues where we need. Now, I'm going to start. I'm going to start naming some things, okay? Are you ready? Are you okay? Okay. And, and you notice that I'm, I'm just having a very calm voice and very, I'm smiling. I don't want you to think I'm mad about this. I am heartbroken about this sometimes. See, in this church, in this family, we've gone through some fidgets. I sat down this, uh, this past week and I wrote down, made a list of all the fidgets that have created division in our family of faith in my 18 years as pastor. And it broke my heart. Because fidgets are stupid. Now, you might think that they're important, especially when I start naming them. You're going to say, well, that's important to me. That's not the point. They may be important to you. They may be important to me, but that's not the point. There are things that are more important to God than your fidget or mine. When we look at fidgets, we're looking at things like, you know, Mask, no mask. Vax, no vax. Do you know how many people have broken fellowship with their family, their brothers and sisters in Christ in this church because of those issues? People have left the church because they didn't feel like we handled mask, no mask, vax, no vax in an appropriate way. And some of them even celebrated as they walked out the door. Uh, Creating some false, false dichotomy between I'm courageous or I'm compassionate, they determined that their fidget was more important than the family. That's not what God says about it. Again, this isn't what gets you to heaven or what sends you to hell. This isn't about God's grace or even the character of God. This isn't about his holiness, his majesty, his righteousness. It's not about the Trinity. This is about mask, no mask, vax, no vax. And the way you perceive those issues and then the way you respond to other people. See, sometimes stumbling blocks are things like mask, no mask, vax, no vax. That create division in a church or fractures or fissures in a family of faith. Sometimes the stumbling block is you and me. See, sometimes you're the stumbling block. Sometimes I'm the stumbling block. By how I respond to people who hold a different view of a fidget than I do. Guys, this is exactly what God is telling us in his word. Look at verse 13. I just want you to see verse 13 for now. Verse 13 God says to us through the pen of Paul, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, 
not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. And then he goes on and describes how we call somebody, how you and I call somebody to fall because we are condemning or holding them in contempt, all based upon their view of a fidget. You say, Eric, you don't understand how important that fidget is to me. You're right, I don't. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't care how important that fidget is to you when it comes to the more important things, which is our relationship together and the way we communicate to one another as the family, as brothers and sisters. See, we got to deal with stumbling blocks, whether they're fidgets or whether they're how we respond to people who have different ideas about fidgets. Well, we need, to, we need to deal with these stumbling blocks. God has given us a pathway to handle the stumbling blocks in our community of faith. And by the way, we're all going to have those things. Can I name a few more? Are y'all all right if I name a few more? Would you be okay? Would you be okay if I name a few more? All right. So just, just a few more. Um, if we sing those songs, we're godly. If we don't sing those songs, we're not godly. That may be important to you, but friends, that's just a fidget. Or, man, I cannot believe that pastor is up there and he's not even wearing a tie. (laughs) My goodness, I barely survived him not wearing a jacket. It was a downgrade when he stopped wearing suits, but look at him now. How can he consider himself a man of God if he's not wearing at least a jacket up there? Or the other side of that, I can't believe that person's wearing a suit in this building. Oh my goodness, just showing off, just trying to be somebody, putting out all these airs, trying to, trying to make himself or herself look all good. Who's he trying to impress, silly head? You know, those issues may be important to you, but the place of priority that we give our fidget is either going to bring health and growth to our family of faith, or it's going to bring division and heartache and destruction to our family of faith. You might say, well, he's talking about food there. He's not talking about songs we sing. He's talking about food there. He's not talking about the clothes we wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what he's talking about. The principle applies to anything that doesn't rise to the level of biblical clarity. Because he talks in here about all of us. All of us. No matter where we land on the issue, he's saying to all of us. We need to embrace one another the way God has embraced you. See, that, that's what we're supposed to do. Instead of fighting over a fidget, we need to embrace one another, regardless of how another person feels about your fidget or about your views of fidgets. He's saying we need to embrace one another the way God has embraced us. You've seen the video. Some of y'all have experienced it firsthand. 
when someone who is deployed comes home and, and, and uh, it, it, you've walked that path yourself and many of you are waiting there at the, at the ship, at the dock, and your, your uh, uh, husband or wife comes off the ship and you just embrace them. It's just, it's all glorious. You got signs and everything and, and, and roses for your man and, and that kind of thing. You, you do have roses for your man, don't you? That'd be a beautiful thing. Do it next time. Uh, on, uh, you go to these different uh, uh, social media places or go to YouTube and you see these, these, uh, uh, the, these series of, of uh, special homecomings where the man com- or the, the, the father or the mother comes home. And, and, and so imagine they go into their kid's classroom and, and everybody in the class is in on it, but except for the son or the daughter. And, and, and uh, uh, the parent comes in, been deployed for six months or 16 months or whatever, comes into the room and, and the teacher then asks a little Billy or Susie a question. And, and, and then the parent comes up behind little Bo- Billy or Susie and whispers in their ear. And then everything freaks out. And immediately what is common to all of those homecomings is the hug, the hug to end all hugs. You've tasted it, you've seen it, you've shared it. It's the kind of hug we all want. A hug, come on, I'll never let you go again. That kind of hug. I want you to look at verses one through four and think of that kind of hug, okay? Romans 14, beginning in verse one. Receive. That term receive is that kind of hug. That's what that means. It's that kind of I'll never let you go kind of hug. Receive one who is weak in faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. All right, so the disputes over doubtful things, he's saying, y'all are hammering each other over fidgets. And what you should be doing is embracing one another and never letting go. Not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, the other believes, but the weak believes he can eat only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received them all. All right, uh, go to verse four and, oh, no, stop verse three. All right, so here's, look, we'll hit verse four in a second. Here's, here's, what, here's what God tells us. God says, look, you had a lot of weird ideas and weird behaviors and a lot of hostility toward holiness. And yet I have received you. I've wrapped you up in a holy hug and I will never let you go. God says, that's how I've received you. Now this is how you're supposed to receive, welcome, embrace one another. If, you, if you're a brother or sister, regardless your view of eating or drinking, regardless your view of songs that we're singing, regardless of your view of mask or no mask, vax or no vax, what I should be doing is embracing you, welcoming you, hugging you with a hug that will never let go. And you might say, well, yeah, all right, all right, so Eric, you, you really don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand what a big deal this is. Here's what is a big deal. What is a big deal is that God took you a sinner, separated from him by your sin. 
in all of your muck and mire of sin and hostility toward God, he embraced you through Christ. Now, that's what you're supposed to be doing with people, even though they have differing opinions about fidgets. He says, stop despising those who think you've got to play with fidgets every hour. He said, don't, don't poke fun at them. Don't poke fun at the people who think that if you don't wear a mask, you're the devil. Don't poke fun at them. You might say, well, do you not know that they're calling me the devil? Again, this is about you taking responsibility for you, not for them. We'll get to them in a second. So your job is not to despise. Your job, if you believe that, uh, if you believe that playing with fidgets is very important, don't judge, condemn those who don't. If you believe that, that wearing masks is important, don't call people who don't wear a mask the devil. Come on. Y'all okay? Guys, this is the way family is supposed to be. And you might say, well, I have a right. Okay, let's just stop right there. Look at verse 4. This is what God says to you and to me. The minute we start saying, I've got a right to dot, 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 listen to what God says. Verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. Here's what, here's what God's telling. Who are you to judge the one who belongs to me? He's not your servant. She's not your servant. He or she is my servant. Who are you to take prerogative that belongs only to me? Well, I have my right. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have a right to take the prerogatives that belong only to God. You don't have that right. Eric, again, you don't understand how important these fidgets are. <laughs> What's more important is that God is the one to whom we must give an account. So we must live for his pleasure. If we're going to navigate stumbling blocks, not only do we embrace one another the way God has embraced us, but we must live for God's pleasure. So we, we are all going to answer to God for the fidgets we play with and how we respond to people who don't play with fidgets the way we want them to. All of us are going to answer to God. Uh, look in verses uh, 6 through 12. He who observes the day, he's talking about people who think that you need to celebrate a particular day in order to be godly. He says, he who um, observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord for he who... Uh, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat um, uh, to the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks, for none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For to this end, 
Christ died and rose again and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. So each of us shall give an account to himself to God. There are people who have different ideas than we do about how to do life and how to do life in the church. You have a different idea than I do, and I have a different idea than you do. We both study Scripture. We both discern the will of God through the Word of God, but we come to different conclusions about fidgets. What matters is that I'm living to please God. What matters is that you are living to please God. Why in the world would I condemn you, and why in the world would you uh, 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 have contempt for me because I'm trying to please God or you're trying to please God? That's exactly what, what God tells us here is you're doing your best to please God. Again, this, doesn't, this is not about I'm, I'm lying or I'm stealing or I'm cheating. It, it, that's not, it's not about that. It's about fidgets, the diet, the songs, the masks, the vaccination, the clothes we wear. We, we elevate these things to such a degree that, that we think, I am the one who makes the judgment about you. Or you elevate your thing to such a degree that you say, you are the one who makes judgment about me. Can I tell you what the Bible says? That you are not my rule of life and I am not your rule of life, but God is the rule of life. If I'm going to live my life, I'm going to live it in obedience to him. I'm going to live it for his pleasure. And the goal that we should delight in with each other is even if we disagree about fidgets, we are both seeking to please the Lord, which includes how we relate to one another. I do not understand some of y'all's viewpoints. And I'm certain you don't understand some of mine. I don't get it how you can have a certain position on certain things. And you don't get it how I can have a certain position on certain things. But the question that you've got to answer for you and the question that I've got to answer for me is, am I living with my whole heart to bring pleasure to God? Because get this, folks, every single one of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give an answer for the life we've lived in, on this earth, whether good or bad. Every single person here. Saved, unsaved. Going to heaven when you die, not. Follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. Every single person is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You and I will stand before that judgment seat, and we're going to give an account of ourselves before God, and he is going to hold us accountable for how we lived. And in this context, what's really important is not our fidget, but whether or not we pleased God and how we related to one another when disagreements about fidgets became prominent. Because we're going to answer to God, we're going to follow the royal law of love and we're going to 
walk in love toward one another. Guys, this is the theme that has run through Romans chapter 12 and 13 and now into 14 is to love each other. Now, here's what God tells us. If we become the stumbling block for someone else by how we relate to them and their use of fidgets, if we become the stumbling block, then we're no longer walking in love. And can I tell you something? What displeases God is when we do not walk in love, no matter how important our fidget is to us. Do you get it? Y'all see that? Your fidget may be important, but if, it, if the way we respond to people who don't hold the same view about fidgets that we hold, if the way we respond to them is inconsistent with love, then God is displeased. Again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to show you how the Scripture says it because I don't want you to think that this is just me pontificating. Y'all like that? It's better than bloviating. I want you to look, verses 14 and 15. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. He's saying the fidget doesn't matter. That's what, it, that's what verse 14 means. The fidget doesn't matter. Clean, unclean, no big deal. Verse 15, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Now get this, do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Apparently, people in the church at Rome were hammering each other over these dietary and, and, and days and all that kind of stuff. They were hammering each other. One group was condemning, the other group was holding in contempt, and, and they, were just, they were just at odds, and they were destroying each other. They were biting and devouring each other for the sake of a fidget. And God says to us, don't let it be you, First Norfolk. Don't let it be you. Don't hold your liberty as a right to grieve the soul of another and be a stumbling block to them. That's hard for us as Americans because we're all about liberty. I get it. I'm down with it. I enjoy it. But friends, as a follower of Jesus, we need to understand that our liberty ends where the service to God begins. And we live for his pleasure above our own. You know what Paul was saying in verse 15? If it means you start eating what they eat and drinking what they drink and celebrating their days, then do it. Just don't be a stumbling block. Give up your liberty. Start playing with fidgets one, one hour a day. But don't be a stumbling block. Help them. Help them understand. So we need to walk in love. Walking in love, as we've looked at it, it means that I consider the other more important than myself. I want to outdo you in honoring you. I, I want to honor you better than anybody's ever honored you before. Walk in love. 
can, can I ask you, is that who you are? Is that what you're doing? As you look and relate to people in this church and this family, are you walking in love? When we walk in love, we focus on more important things than our fidgets. When we walk in love, we focus on things that are more important than our fidgets. For some of you, your fidget seems to be the most important thing ever. Ever! But God tells us something different. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18. Therefore, do not let your good, your fidget, be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God... Get this, the kingdom of God is not your fidget. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things, not your fidget, but righteousness, peace, and joy. He who serves Christ in these things is pleasing to God and approved by others. So, what's the more important thing than your fidget? It is living in community with one another so that heaven touches earth. We relate to one another so that we look more like heaven than we do the Kiwanis Club. We look more like heaven than we do buddies getting together for poker on a Friday night which would also be a fidget in case you're a poker player. I'm not trying to put my conscience on you or anything. To look more like heaven means that we submit our fidget to righteousness, peace, and joy by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God fuels us together so that we deal with one another in a righteous way, so that we uh, pursue peace with one another in our relationship, wholeness and health in our relationship together, and so that we find joy in the harmony that the Spirit of God produces in us. Guys, this church should be out loud different than any other organization around us. Because we should look like heaven in how we relate to one another. And that means we've got to stop focusing on our fidgets and start focusing on the things that make this place heavenly. The righteousness of God flowing through us so that we deal with each other in a righteous way. The peace of God poured out into our hearts so that we relate to one another, not as people striving for more peace. We've got all we need. We just want to be peacemakers with one another. So that we have joy, not hostility with one another. You might say, well, that's that's so ideal. It's, uh, It's something that can't be done. Oh, it can and it must be done. For God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, infinitely above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. He can make this place, this family, more heavenly than we were yesterday. But it begins with you and me. It begins with you and me making a commitment, number five, to pursue health and growth for one another. Pursue health and 
and growth for one another. Look at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, because we want to be pleasing to God, because we're focusing on more important things, because we walk in love, because we live for God's pleasure, and we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, because God commands us, shows us how to embrace each other, because he, and, and, and by the way, he's embraced us. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Peace there is, is uh, irene in the Greek, and it's shalom in the Hebrew, and it, it means wholeness of life, health, fullness, uh, no missing parts in life. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify the other. Edify there means we're supposed to be building each other up. I'm going to focus on how I can build you up as a follower of Jesus, not tear you down because you don't agree about my fidget. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Now get this, verse 20, just the first phrase. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of your fidget. Do not destroy the work of God. What is the work of God? The work of God is what his spirit and his word is doing in your life right now. How he's brought you into a relationship with himself through faith in Christ. How he's uh, poured his spirit within you. How he's given you his word so that it might sharpen you and, and build you up and grow you up as a follower of Christ. That's the work of God. It's the work of God in this church drawing us together 200 plus years ago. Giving us a continual legacy every single generation and, and moving us forward into the next generation so that we lean toward the, the younger generation and let them experience the fullness of life. It's, it's this work of God that, that he's doing in the seven cities of Hampton Roads through First Norfolk and bringing the gospel to people in all, all the seven cities through this family of faith and, and, and what he's doing in the Commonwealth of Virginia as we plant churches and, and, and what he's doing in, in, in uh, the lower 48 as we plant churches and what he's doing through this church in, in Canada and, and, and in Asia and Africa and, and other Philippines as we, as we plant churches. We see God doing his work and we want to destroy it because we care about our fidget more than we care about that. Do not destroy the work of God just because you are all ramped up about your fidget. I know it's hard. We all care about these particular things, and, man, we can get wrapped around the axle real quick about them. But can I humbly ask, as God has powerfully and poignantly said, there are things that are more important than my fidget. I'll close with this. It's an old, it's an old preacher illustration, and, and I mean it's old, and you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there was a grasshopper hopping through the pasture of the field, having a great old time. The sun was shining, and and it, the summer was uh, hot, but not too hot. He was having a grand old time. He was, you know, jumping from from twig to twig, floating on the wind as it blew, and and as he's Whistling around and flitting around, he comes across a group of ants. He stops where the ants are working. And this group of ants had on their back an ear of corn that they were carrying. 
And Grasshopper, intrigued, stops and he says, what in the world are you doing? Look at the day. The sun is shining. It's beautiful out here. And here you are carrying an ear of corn. What are you doing? You're missing all this fun. And the spokesman for the ant simply said in a terse-like fashion, because he was busy working, he said, we are preparing for winter and we suggest you do the same. Grasshopper laughed and he said, oh, it'll be fine. We're having a grand old time. Such a beautiful day. I can't take time out to prepare for winter. Winter is months away. We've got plenty of time. When winter hit, the grasshopper is dying of starvation and the ants are distributing their corn, thriving because they were ready when winter hit. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for the life that we've lived and give an answer for the fidgets we exalted at the expense of others. I beg you today, get ready for the judgment seat. And the good news is we can. See, here's the beauty of it. Because of God's grace, even as followers of Jesus, even though we have behaved in a way that is inconsistent with what his word teaches us today, there is this thing called confession and repentance that makes us ready and right even for the judgment seat. You know what prepares us? In this moment, right here, right now, committing ourselves again to walk in the way that God clearly tells us. So my invitation to all of us today is to repent so that we are ready. Follower of Jesus, repent. Family member, brother, sister, repent. If you've exalted your fidget in a way that causes you to stop embracing a hug that never lets go, embracing another the way God is Repent. If you've lived for your own pleasure rather than God's pleasure, repent. If you've walked in love of fidget, not love of one another, repent. If you focused on the lesser things rather than the grand important things of God's kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. Repent. If you pursued tearing down rather than building up one another. Oh, my brothers and sisters, repent. Winter is coming. Let's be ready. Bow your heads with me, please.
Today, as followers of Jesus, I just invite you to be obedient to the Word of God, applied to your life by the Spirit of God. Repentance is turning away from a path, changing your mind about a decision. Repentance is where your heart does an about-face. And as a follower of Jesus, the Bible tells us that if we who belong to God's family, if we will confess, then God will forgive. And he'll cleanse us and make us right, make us ready for the judgment seat. So friends, I, I invite you today just to make it right. This altar will be open and ministers will be here and we'd love to pray with you. This altar will be open for you to come and in a public way demonstrate the difference that God's word has made in your heart and mind today. Now, Father, I pray that in these next few moments you might draw to yourself those whom you are calling, that you would lead your family to make things right with you and even with one another, that today we would hear your word and be obedient and now be glorified as we respond to you in this moment. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.